You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome again to our Market Talk broadcast. I'm Jane Kavner from AIB and I'm delighted to be bringing you our fifth in a series of special broadcasts focusing on the main sectors of the economy being impacted by the pandemic. Today we are going to turn our attention to the agri-food sector in Ireland, a very significant contributor to the Irish economy, a sector which is heavily export-focused and incredibly produces enough food to feed over 50 million people. The food, drink and horticulture exports were in fact valued at €13 billion last year and have increased a substantial 67% since 2010, exporting to 180 markets worldwide. The Irish agri-food sector enjoys a reputation as a quality, safe and sustainable food producer. One of Ireland's largest food companies in this sector is Ornua, who play a very important role in the promotion and sale of Irish dairy products. Now, just to give you some background on Ornua, they are the largest Irish exporter of primary dairy products. They export to 110 markets worldwide and have a strong global team of 2,400 people. Perhaps, however, what Ornua will be most famous for is the Kerrygold brand, Ireland's first billion euro food brand. To put Kerrygold into context, it is the number one brand of butter in Germany, the number two brand in the USA, and the number three block butter brand in the UK. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Colin Kelly, Head of Strategy Planning and Risk Management with Ornua. Good morning, Colin, and thank you for joining us today. Morning, Jane. Thanks for having me. On the panel, I am also joined by John Fahey, Senior Economist with AIB, and Tony Murphy, Director of Food and Agriculture with AIB Corporate Banking. Colin, if I may turn to you first, we are by nature an export nation and exports are at the heart of our newest business. Can you give us some detail as to how reliant on exports your business is and what impact COVID-19 has had on your core markets? Jane, as you alluded to there in the intro, our job is to, to sell and market Irish dairy product across the world. We're owned by eight member cooperatives in Ireland who are ultimately owned by the Irish farmer. So our job is to get Irish dairy products across the world. As you said, we export to 110 countries, which essentially results in 99% of our revenue coming from sales which occur outside of Ireland. So we're extremely dependent on export markets and our ability to access those markets. So when we look at our actual core markets through COVID-19, I guess, like every other business, we've seen markets in general be severely impacted across the world. There's some ups and downs across the portfolio in our retail-focused markets, which you touched on there, the main ones being Germany, the UK and the USA, are benefiting from the change in, in buying patterns, more eating at home, more home baking going on, whereas on the flip side, are markets that are more exposed to food ingredients and the food service sectors are negatively impacted by the restrictions imposed by COVID. So overall, what we would say is across Q2 and Q3, while there's ups and downs across the portfolio, we're seeing dairy demand being down in the region of 10 to 15 percent. A 10 to 15 percent drop in demand paints a sobering, if not sombre, picture. We are sadly, I guess, all aware of the collapse in demand from the food service sector due to COVID-19. And of course, here anecdotal reports of increased demand from the retail sector. How has this manifested itself in your business and what impact has the closure of food service had? Yeah, so our business is structured across two divisions. We've got a foods division and an ingredients division. Foods essentially services retail and then the ingredients side services the 
traditional food manufacturing and food service sectors. Both of these are supported by our trading and risk division. As you alluded to in the intro, Kerrygold brand, very important for us on the food side and also other brands including Dubliner, Pilgrim's Choice, Forto and Bio. What we see in terms of the split, so within Europe the split is 60-40 retail and food service. We initially seen a 40 to 50% increase in retail, but an 80% fall in food service. When we look at our business in the US, the split is different there in terms of demand on retail and food service. And it's actually the inverse in that 60% of the sales occur through food service and 40% occur through retail. We've seen similar trends there in that food service has essentially collapsed and has been a much bigger impact there because it's a much bigger part of the market. What's that meant for us day to day? Um, Our European operations are much more reliant on on food service than our US operations, our US operations more on the the retail side and also the food manufacturing with an element of food service, but not nearly to the same extent as we have in Europe. So what that's meant is some of our plants in Europe have moved to, to reduced hours and sadly temporary closures in some instances. I suppose the benefit that we did have in terms of having diverse portfolio is that some staff we were able to redeploy from the food service factories or the the ingredient factories in the UK across to the more retail focused factories. So that has certainly helped us to manage the increased demand at a retail level. When we look at where we are today, there's obviously a number of different phases in terms of the initial COVID and now we're moving more into what we class as more of a new normal. Retail has levelled off at a 20 to 25% increase at this point, buying patterns have certainly changed in that people are returning to maybe more traditional buying patterns in the sense of shopping once per week or once per, per fortnight, buying more product when they shop. And butter and harder type cheeses have been popular, butter particularly on the home baking front, but harder, longer shelf life cheeses proving more popular, which is good for, for Irish cheddar and maybe the softer, shorter shelf life cheeses not being as popular at this point in time. In terms of recovery, we are starting to see some green shoots again from a food service perspective and maybe food service operators who had been operating at 20% starting to return to 40 and 50% demand, I guess, as restrictions are lifted across the world and companies begin to, to refill their supply chain. But Overall, we come back to a 10 to 15% reduction in demand, but a huge shift in terms of the split between retail and the food manufacturing stroke food service sectors over the last couple of months. Thanks, Colin. It would sound then that the diversity in the product has been a support to the business in the past few difficult months. That's for sure, Jane, yeah. Um, I guess what we would say is that we're still seeing the 10 to 15% decrease, but certainly the, the increase in retail, which would have a higher margin, has helped us to protect the return that's ultimately going back to the Irish farmer. That's great. Tony, turning to you, if I may, as a director on the food and agri team within corporate banking, you must be very busy engaging with customers across a range of different food and agri sectors at this time. You might share with us at a high level some of the consequences of COVID-19 on your customers' business. Thanks, Jane. Our customers cover the full span of the agri-food sector, from the large dairy and meat processors to consumer food groups and international PLCs. As an export-intensive sector, the industry has navigated through many challenging cycles before. However, the global scale of COVID-19 is unprecedented. I think it's fair to say the response from the Irish food sector has demonstrated genuine leadership in a dynamic environment, which speaks to its professionalism and resilience. 
To date, the big themes for our customers have been adapting to the rapid change in revenue mix and the benefit of diversification, as Colin has touched on. Security of its staff and production capacity and supply chains is key. Volatility of commodity prices and global market demands are stirring a lot of conversations and increased working capital requirements are front and centre. To expand on some of those themes briefly, the sharp drop in food service demand was an immediate shock for the sector. Positively, this has been balanced by a significant increase in demand from the retail market through retail multiples and online retailers. While we are beginning to see a welcome return of some familiar quick service restaurants albeit on a restricted basis, and some of Europe's hospitality sector is tentatively starting to reopen. The recovery in food service still remains some way off. Supply chains have remained generally robust. This is critically important in the context that 90% of Ireland's dairy and meat produce is exported, with 7% all Irish food and drink exports going to the UK and European markets. However, logistics, including the sourcing of containers, has become more complicated and costly, particularly for international markets. This is a working capital intensive sector and is never too far from any discussion we have. COVID has brought fresh and renewed focus on working capital management, particularly on stock cycles, which are being stretched due to lower food service demand. The dairy sector has entered its peak production period and recovery in international market demand remains at an early stage. From a practical perspective, physical storage and warehouse capacity are heightened considerations at this time. Positively, we see commodity prices have started to stabilise in some sectors. Dairy markets in particular are strengthening, albeit from low levels, with butter and S&P prices both having increased by 10% over the last two weeks. The most recent global dairy trade auction index increased by 1% this week, driven by substantial Chinese purchasing. And dairy futures point to positive market sentiment for later this year and into 2021. So Jane, maybe to summarise, overall a challenging environment, but not without some positive signs. Thanks very much, Tony. Tony, you referred there to commodity prices and some stabilising in some sectors. Con, one of the economic impacts of COVID-19 has been the fall in oil price. Has this price fall had any impact on the export markets our newest sales to? And will this influence when a more sustained recovery can take hold in dairy markets? Yeah, Jane, certainly oil will, will have an impact on demand. Oil is an interesting one in that there's a balance to be struck on oil price in that the developed world is a big user of oil while the developing world is generally the big producer of oil. If we look at oil over the last number of weeks and obviously it went negative at a point but if we took oil in the 30 to 40 dollars region that's very cheap for the developed world and certainly brings benefits but ultimately those prices are not sustainable for the producers who generally are dairy importers. We'd view Middle East North Africa as a key market of ours, which will be most exposed to the oil price. We've also seen their currencies generally weaker through COVID-19. So there's essentially a double hit for them in that as well as getting less money for their oil and ore, it is then worth less when they go to convert it in order to import products. Certainly, oil price will impact on their buying power, and it's going to be a factor, but we would probably see supply as a bigger element than actual oil in terms of um, recovery. And when I say supply, I'm talking specifically about global milk supply. If we look year to date to the end of March, milk is up 1.4% from a global perspective. We expect this to weaken later in Q2 and throughout the second half of the year, but we do need a big correction given that demand is going to be 10 to 15% down for at least half of the year. We also look at the macroeconomic factors which are going against us. 
were a trade organization are forecasting that trade across the world this year could be down somewhere between 13 and 32 percent and the IMF are forecasting a three percent fall in GDP. Those don't paint the prettiest of future pictures so for us supply correction is paramount. We're seeing some positives on that front with New Zealand struggling from a weather and feed perspective this resulting in cows being dried off early. We've also seen some parts of the U.S fall sharply as they have implemented some supply correction programs and the warm weather that we're seeing in in Ireland and also across Europe in particular will certainly have an impact on milk flows as we go through Q2 and Q3 and as Tony touched on there through a crucial peak period of milk. So to summarise what I'd say is on the assumption that it'll be Q4 at the earliest before a level of normality returns to the world and, and dairy demand Oil price less will certainly be a factor, but we view milk supply as the greatest variable. And for us, the quickest way for us to recover is through a global supply correction. Thanks, Colin. It sounds like there are some challenges ahead indeed. I guess another potential disruptor on the horizon will be that of Brexit. Did the planning and preparation Arnua did in advance of Brexit benefit in dealing with the disruption COVID-19 brought? Yeah, certainly, Jane. I think Brexit's been on the agenda for the last number of years for everybody and obviously a huge amount of uncertainty around it. And that's forced businesses, ourselves, similarly, to be very aware of business continuity plans and the supply chain challenges posed by having borders or no borders, for that matter. As an export business, the UK is obviously a key trading partner for us, so that's gotten a lot of attention over the last couple of years. All of this is before you mentioned the threat of tariffs and the impact that would have on the overall business profitability when a big portion of what we sell into the UK is commodities. Not to in any way talk down the impact of Brexit and the challenges that it will pose, but I'd feel COVID-19 is, is on a different level or a more seismic impact, in my opinion, because essentially overnight it shut down the world, moved the global economy towards a recession and from our own perspective reduced dairy demand by 10 to 15 percent. Brexit is about keeping one market open, albeit a very big market for us, but COVID-19 has initiated a response effort to essentially keep global markets open Um, and for us from an Irish dairy perspective that's very important to protect the incomes for Irish farmers. We're doing this against a backdrop of seeking to protect the health, safety and well-being of the 2,400 or new employees across the world. So our response has been very different maybe to our, our Brexit planning piece. And if I look at some of the key areas that we've been working on, and Tony alluded to some of them earlier on, additional storage has been very important for us about maintaining and securing that to spread our risk locally and internationally for both raw materials and finished goods. Export containers has been a a big challenge and for us the task has been to secure those at a time of short supply. Naturally, China being the first to lockdown caused a challenge in that there was no trade coming back from Asia, which meant that a lot of the containers which had gone there at the back end of last year and the start of, of this year were essentially in the wrong part of the world. The action for us there was to prioritise Kerrygold as that gives the best return for the Irish farmer ultimately. Keeping our factories open is a challenge. Tony touched on on peak milk and the challenge that brought for processors. When we then look at our supply chain, we've got 13 production facilities across the world. They're as local to us as Kerrygold Park in Mitchellstown to as far away as Saudi Arabia, China and the US. 
So managing in a time of high absenteeism um, and keeping those open has been a real challenge. We've been doing that against managing the retail and food service shift in terms of the demand spike in, in retail and the fall off in food service. Things have changed in terms of how we do business. Um, 40% of the people who work in Ornu are now working from, from home. People who are in the factories have to be very conscious of social distancing, product that we're, we're exporting. We've got a very different relationship with local government and regulatory bodies in various countries. Everything has now been done remote, whereas elements would have been done through paper and in-person meetings. So a very different picture to what things would have looked like in January and February this year. So I suppose to sum up what I'd say is there's no doubt Brexit preparedness gave us a head start in some of the areas. But I would say COVID-19 has had a much wider impact in that it's touched all facets of the business and has had a huge impact on people's personal and professional lives from the farmer right through to the end consumer. Thanks very much, Colin. It's the new normal that is a huge challenge globally, really, isn't it? Certainly, yes, Jane. John, if I may bring you in here, following on from the outlook Colin provided and the challenges for the industry that Tony talked about, Tell us, what do you see as the key determinants when considering the outlook for the agri-sector overall? Uh, Well, when we look at the sector overall, obviously, if if you look at the way it's constructed and a key part of its its operations is exports, given that the Irish economy itself is is a relatively small domestic market compared to what's available selling the produce abroad and and the agri-sector and the agri-food sector is especially important source of the Irish economy for indigenous exports. So in the context of that then obviously how the global economy is performing will very much determine a key part of the aspect of the sector's own performance and then specifically where we are at the moment coming out of the COVID-19 crisis A key determinant, though, will be just the easing of restrictions, both domestically and internationally, uh, as as we move through the crisis period. And obviously, the restrictions, as has probably been discussed already, around reduced demand, closures in sectors, closures in restaurants, closures of food service, the impact that is feeding back then into demand for agricultural produce and products. So as those uh, sectors and industries and businesses reopen, not just in Ireland, but internationally in, in terms of our key export markets, then you know we should see start to see improved demand following through from that as, as things uh, start to get back to some sort of a more normal operating environment. Now, just to, on the in terms of putting figures around it, what the IMF and a lot of international forecasters are expecting is that Q2. So, as we work through the towards the end of this, uh, towards the end of June, you know, this is the worst period in terms of what will likely be felt from a general global growth perspective and growth for individual economies. But as we get into the second half of the year, then we should start to see a pickup in terms of actual growth as economies start to unwind some of those restrictions. But still, when we get towards the end of the year the economy will probably in demand will still be weaker than where it should have been before the crisis hit so it really will be towards the end of 2021 before we start to catch up on uh, some of the lost output and lost demand that's been there in the economy arising out of the crisis. John you referred to some easing of restrictions that we are seeing in some of our key export markets is this reflected in recent macro data? Yeah, we're starting to see it come through in May survey data. So as I've said, you know, April is probably going to capture the worst of the data because that's when the restrictions were most widespread and most comprehensive. So what we have seen uh, recently is some of the purchasing manager indices out of the Eurozone 
Germany, France, the UK and the US. And these are May numbers and they've all shown an improvement versus April. Now, whilst they're all still well below 50 in terms of the break even between expansion and contraction in sectors, they are showing an improvement from their low levels. So it is suggesting that as these restrictions are starting to get lifted, we're starting to see improvement in the economies, albeit still at very tentative levels, but it is encouraging. And that's what we expect to see as we go on through June in terms of more improvement in the survey data and then start to be reflected in the hard data. Thanks, John. Glimmer of optimism on the on the horizon. John, albeit Colin referred to the greater risk currently posed globally by COVID-19, Brexit remains a key risk for the agri and food sector in Ireland, does it not? Yeah, when we look at the outlook, obviously at the moment everything's focused on COVID-19 because it's it's a global global impact. But the agri-food sector especially, as you say, the outcome of the EU-UK trade talks which are underway at the moment will determine, you know, access for a key market for many of the sectors within the uh, agriculture and food industry. And a key thing really is is what level of trade deal gets agreed and what extent. And it's looking like in the last couple of weeks, you know, not much progress has been made yet. And the best we can probably hope for at this stage is some form of free trade agreement. And really the key thing to bear in mind there is a free trade agreement is not the same thing as the current arrangement in place from a single market perspective. So it does have issues around potential increased administration costs, fees and just and making it more difficult to do trade with one of our key exporting markets. Because if you look at the uh, agri-food sector overall, 40% of all Irish food exports go to the UK, and it's obviously a key market for uh, industries within that, such as beef and cheese. So even though the focus at the moment is very much on COVID-19, the Brexit risk is still there, and there still is a risk that at the end of this year, no transition extension to the current period is sought or agreed, and that there's a fallback on WTO procedures. So it still is something worth bearing in mind uh, when we look at the outlook, not just for the Irish economy, but especially for the uh, agri-food sector. John, thank you very much. Tony, focusing on the financial side, what guidance would you offer our customers on how to approach their bank for support? The financial impact across the sector will continue to be quite varied. Conscious that a one-size solution doesn't fit all, here are some general comments that I think should help in engaging with your banks. Engage early to identify and address your financial requirements. Scenario plan for multiple different eventualities so that your business remains flexible enough to anticipate and adapt to obstacles or opportunities as they arise. Engage external professional assistance if required. Understand your working capital and liquidity positions based on this new normal and plan out what the next three to six months look like for different scenarios. The stock and debtor cycles are changing, and it is important that you work through the impact this will have on your business and your financial requirements. Assess what financial options are available to you. There are a range of supports available from AIB, but also engage with government agencies such as Enterprise Ireland and the SBCI who have supports available. Finally, AIB's approach for farmers and small food businesses is very similar. Our first objective is to ensure our customers have sufficient working capital and we have further supports available to help our customers through cash flow challenges. The most important thing is to make contact with your relationship manager as early as possible. Thank you, Tony. Connor has been a pleasure talking to you today and my thanks indeed for joining us and providing a really very insightful view of business inside one of Ireland's largest food companies. My thanks also to Tony Murphy, Director of the Food and Agricultural Team at Corporate Banking and our Senior Economist, John Fahey. For more detailed information on this sector podcast and indeed the special sector series, please see details and links attached. 
For the full range of AIB supports available to our customers, please visit aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Please join us for the next episode of this sector special series, which will be available shortly. Do please press the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk in the podcast apps for iOS or Android. Speak with you soon and please stay safe. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.